Seriously, what would you do if you needed a paycheck in order to live? What would you seriously do without leaving the business? You would door knock every goddamn door. You'd call every single number That's true. if that meant putting food on your table. So why should it be any different to achieving your goals? Basically, I'm a kind of guy that like, look, you came here, you have a goal. You're basically giving us 50% of your paycheck for us to help you get to that goal. Mm -hmm. Here's how you get to that goal. And if you're not doing the daily actionables that we need to require you to get to that goal, what are you even doing? So I'm a more like, just fucking do it. Yeah. Do it. If you're a new agent in a new market, what you need to do is you need to basically build your brand around that market and market to people who don't live in that market. World-class lessons from the real estate industry's top 1%. Empowering agents to think bigger, and do more to create life by design. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Light It Up Podcast. Our goal is to empower agents to think bigger and live a life by design. Today, we are joined by Andrew Perry, uh, who runs a top producing real estate team, the Fine Estate Team. He's also a director of one of the fastest growing independent brokerages in Ontario, uh, that's Revel Realty. Andrew is well known for generating approximately 85%, yes, that's sir. a big number, of his business from agent to agent referrals, and of course his strong social media presence. Andrew, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you know, just because I'm uh, from Canada doesn't mean uh, that I'm French, eh? The, your the little Perry? accent. But yeah, it's uh, Andrew Perry, but no. Andrew the, Perry. Yeah, so I, get, I literally get that all the time. Or, But you said our brokerage, right? Because even Canadians can't get our brokerage, right? They'll, they'll call it Ravel. Mm. It's yeah, like every, it's everybody's trying to convert us from the English speaking to French speaking in our nation, I think. Right. Well, th that was a pretty long intro, so I'm, I'm not going to do it over, but uh, it's Perry, guys. You got it? Yeah. Everybody? Oh, yeah. John, you sound Perry. very high Canadians are easy. Canadians are easy going, eh? So hey. don't worry about that. It sounds like you like uh, a name that I would see on the back of the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, no, no, no. We're My, my name's Leafs? only on the Leafs fan. Well, I saw you are a hockey uh, hockey fan as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we I try to play as... Uh, I love hockey so much that I actually moved our office right across the street from the hockey arena. Awesome. Yeah. That's an obsession. That's a sickness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I managed to, I used to be uh, uh, able to get in five skates a week, but it's down to three. Damn. Damn. Is it crazy like the U.S.? Like if I were to join like a men's league, uh, I'd have to play at like 1030 at night. Yeah. So I have three kids under six, three boys. Oh. So my wife would literally kill me if I had, uh, you know, if I had to miss bedtime. So, yeah. uh, so ours is actually in the afternoon, 12 to one. Oh, wow. Yep. That's good. Yep. Is it like the U.S. where... So it, the men's leagues that I've been a part of, uh, it's all guys, like finance guys, that are pissed off at their colleagues. Mm. They go there. We Again, we play like 1030 at night. People have a couple beers before, yep. a couple beers after. You get on the ice, and they're literally pissed at their boss, pissed at their wife, pissed at somebody. And there's fights at, There's fights like once a week. Mm. Yeah. Well, you, and you, you then know, you got to go to work with a black guy. It never happened to me, but <laughs> no, I've had that. I've yeah. had that. Uh, it was by mistake. So just to get one thing straight, our league is uh, 45, 50 years old. Mm. So uh, some of the OGs are still playing, and our oldest guy was uh, 75 at one point. Oh wow! But our youngest That's guy blue. is like 19, mm. right? So like these are all old guys that still know how to play, can still skate around me, and uh, yeah. So there's there's not a lot of aggression there. Yeah. But uh, there's also a lot of Oops. Yeah. And I had a huge black eye last year, a uh, huge cut on my lip. So oh, got to watch out for those old guys. They'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> They're filled with the... chippy. They're yeah. chippy. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Awesome. Ready to jump right into it? We'll go into the yes, lightning sir, round. Yes, sir. Let's do it. 
right, so for those of you that have not seen this lightning round before, and by the way, this is episode 49. Uh, you missed the, the, big, the big milestone by one, but um, <laughs> we like to do this lightning round, real estate unrelated uh, to Let's real estate questions that, uh, you know, will keep you on your toes. Mm. You going first? No, go. All right. All right. I like this Let's one. I hadn't seen this one in our set of questions before. What's something you did as a child that your parents still retell the story about? Oh my God, dude. Um, okay, my parents are divorced. And um, when my mom got uh, with my stepdad, uh, you know, he proposed after like seven years. I don't know why it took him so long. And um, I was really rebellious. I lived in like what you would call the projects. And um, I was looking to start a fire. I had <laughs> grabbed this random um, tissue paper uh, from our kitchen and uh, burned it, started the fire. I, that was a success. But uh, what I found out was later inside that napkin was my mom's engagement ring that she was getting signed. <laughs> so, oh my yeah, God. she still Six, tells that for a reason. <laughs> yeah, she still she still tells that story. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting. At one. least when you lost the ring, you were doing something you know really really good. Yeah, yeah, super productive for the community. <laughs> so not only did you start a fire, but you lost your mother's engagement ring. Did yeah. you actually recoup the ring or find it? Or? We did. We brought a metal detector out and we found it. That, wow. Wow. There's a fifteen thousand dollar ring. There is so. a silver lining there, or a gold lining. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I had a similar experience when I was a kid. I made there's salt pittery. If you mix it with sugar and you cook it over low temperature, you can make smoke bombs. This is when you were able to Google shit before 9/11. Yeah. So I used to make all random kinds of like concoctions i forgot it on the stove it literally blew up in the house we had to like evacuate <laughs> no oh joke. my god that it's serious i don't know why i'm sharing that all right um <laughs> what's one accomplishment you're most proud of uh i think about you know this a lot in you know as you grow into bigger teams your 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 company grows I think my biggest accomplishment is promoting our VP of sales, Crystal Simons, from you know a, a space where she was still working a full-time job to six months later, you know, being a full-time team member mm. to a year later uh, being our VP of sales and you know eventually taking over my role. So I think that's my biggest accomplishment in the last 12 to 24 months. Nice. Is it an accomplishment because she replaced you or is it because you grew a person that went from not even you know, you, you kind of molded her in your own way. That's a really good question. And in the way, you know, I've never thought about before where, yes, you know, my accomplishment is that I took a piece of me that I never really thought I had and was able to use it to help grow someone else. Mm. Yeah, no, I can relate to that. Yeah, makes sense. I like that. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm surprised <laughs> I came up with it myself. <laughs> All right. What's the best advice you've ever received uh man that's a very general question mm. no it is but if you're not moving forward you're moving backwards mm. you know and, and the second best piece i know you didn't ask for that but I'm, I'm gonna tell you is what gets measured gets improved and you know those two together all come you know in combination to if you're not growing you're literally falling backwards because everybody around you is in the business to take your yeah. market share away. Mm. And so I, I think about that every morning when I get up. Mm. Yeah. That's good. So you're a grower. Not a shower. <laughs> Perfect. Or both. Um, <laughs> what activity do you enjoy so much that you lose track of time? Oh man. Podcasting interviews. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking, I think one of these types of networking sessions is what I call my even podcasting is, you know, it's great to uh, have a conversation and try to put your name out there. But I think the fact that I get to sit here and meet you guys, the fact that I get your audience to listen to, you know, some of my value that I have to bring. I think that's, uh, you know, one of those one of those instances where I just it fuels me so much that I would be willing to drive eight hours to come and see you, you know? Yeah. 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 And and to be honest, this was his idea to have it in the in the it actual was. studio. Awesome. Yeah, I noticed that you did a lot of virtual, and I'm like, you know what? Let, let's switch things up here. Let me get down there. Yeah, it. Uh, I think it was. I'm, I'm glad we got that extra push. Uh, you know, it. Uh, sometimes we just get comfortable with doing the virtual ones, but. Uh, well, my problem with that too is like we'll run sales calls or 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 brokerage meetings and. I'm one of those guys, like I'm kind of like Steve Carell from The Office, where my jokes are a little dry, and I need somebody to like either laugh or, mm. or you know, give me some encouragement. And in Zoom, they're just like <laughs> <laughs> nothing, right? So like, okay. did the line break? Is there a connection issue? No, that makes sense. You can feel the energy yeah. and the essence of the person way more when they're in front of you versus on a screen. Absolutely. And then sometimes when it's on a screen, you just end up staring at yourself the whole time. You're just like. Yeah. Do I really look like that person? And then it's mirrored, right? <laughs> so you're like, wait, if I if I move that way, I'm actually moving this way. Yeah. It's just a distraction. Yeah. It's just funny that we get in that that uh, habit. Like even when we had Nikki on, yeah. Nikki was one of our our agents. She's in Jersey City, about uh, six minutes from here. Mm-hmm. She did it from her apartment. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't have her come in, or or Dan O'Neill, or yeah. or any yeah. of the other people who are a little bit more local. But uh, it is what it is. We're happy to have you here, man. Awesome. Love it. You have another one or no? That's it. All right, I'll ask another one. Sure. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Robert Plant or Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin? Mm. Uh, I, I think the reason why is because, look, all the business stuff, you can figure out. You can go on YouTube. You can hire a business coach. You can go through trial and error. But something as magical as music and what it means in bringing a new genre to the world, I think, is something that is just... You, you can never learn that. So, you know, just trying to inquire about those types of experiences, I think, is almost invaluable. Yeah. No, definitely pr- priceless. There's uh, Slash wrote a book uh, from, yeah. from uh, what's it called? Guns, Guns and Roses. Roses. Yeah. And they're, they're absolute maniacs, right? Like, drinking oh, yeah. a liter of vodka, just destroying hotel rooms and doing all that stuff. I could picture you doing that. Thanks, man. I have <laughs> done that. I was actually in the music industry for, for a very long time. Really? Yep. Lead singer. Your hair's not long enough. Well... My tattoos are kind of short. Yeah, that is. So <laughs> that's, is that how you connected with uh, Leonetti? No, no. I, I he's mean, he's a big. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a big rocker, which yeah. I love. But no, it was the fact that he was, uh, you know, shitting on agents that got me to uh, reach out to him <laughs> and watch more. That was a big more. attraction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every time I see him, he's got a different uh, band shirt on. Yeah, but, no, but, you I know, love it. The, the hipster scene these days, you never know if they're actually like a music yeah, no, he's he's legit for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's yeah, no, that's it's interesting because we all well, of us share the hockey thing and the rock thing in general, yeah. right? Yeah, um, which is so interesting because the last podcast I was on, it was uh, it was all rap and basketball. There you go, man. Yeah, I can and, get down. Well, I feel well, I like everybody that too. Everybody probably played hockey, you know, growing up in, in Canada, but here, yeah. like, there's very very few of us. It's not really? very few of us, but like. Tri-state areas probably got a few, but like well, up Foster in Boston. Well, Matthews could come out of friggin' errors. There you go. <laughs> I'm yeah. the only Arab that's ever played hockey, so that's that's a unique. Yeah. <laughs> so we, yesterday night, me and John were talking, and we were just preparing, going over everything. Yep. And what was really incredible about what you've been able to do, so 
you went from you're working in a gym, then you went to Royal LePage for a year, then you mm -hmm. started your own thing. Yeah. Well, so sorry. So Revel Realty, I didn't create. That was it, right. But it was still so young mm -hmm. that essentially I knew that I could leave my mark on the company and the owners were so receptive to that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I made that leap. It had nothing to do with why Royal of Page or what Royal of Page did or didn't do. It had everything to do with the opportunities that were going to be provided to me mm -hmm. um, at Revel. And so I, I kind of took that and I ran. I noticed that somebody who only was in business two years got their own office. And I said, if she can do it with Revel, I can do it with Revel. And mm -hmm. within two years, I had my office. Then within three years, we had our second. Which is insane. Absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. Imagine what you could do with EXP. Well, yeah, everybody keeps telling me that. <laughs> you know, months ago, we, we weren't even considering EXP. We made the transition and now I sort of think, oh, do people think that like we're going to try to pitch them? And I'm like, we like would love to collaborate. I'm not even the, the guy who's going to be at, uh, you know, recruiting at any level. Well, I, I think it makes I think it makes sense for those people in certain positions in almost kind of what I'm in, where you're, you've got that, a yeah. voice, you've got people following you. And, you know, the only thing that I don't necessarily like about building teams out that way is that I like to be very, very, like, like the reason why I said, let's drive down here, Yeah. you know? And if I can't physically be there once a week, once a month, it's maybe something that I, I don't necessarily want to invest my time in just yet. Sure, sure. But I mean, with LA Fitness, I was, we just spoke over the phone too, so I <laughs> right? yeah. But it's insane because like, you know, um, there was, uh, it's funny because I was actually, my coach makes me read uh, You Squared every week. Ever, have you ever heard that book? No. It's written by a guy named Price Pritchett. He talks about quantum leaps. So he's saying you don't need to go through the traditional, you know, level one, level two, level three. You can just quantum leap if you look at things differently. I gotta read that book. It's a great book. And the, the thing that's interesting about what you've been able to do is that like we, we've struggled in the past with trying to create systems, procedures, and we were like, why is it that as you grow, you start thinking about actually doing those things, right? But those are the fundamental things that would help you explode so much faster. Mm -hmm. But what you've been able to do, you've been doing it with a twist almost. So it's not like you had to take level one, level two, you almost had an opportunity. And they say success is being ready for the opportunity when it's in front of you. And you did that just based off of competitive nature because another lady did it and she was two years in the business. Right. So how, did that, how did that look the first, you know, <laughs> so, so the first time I started my team, um, it failed like miserably within three months, the people that I brought on just, they all quit. So it was terrible. So half of it was through trial and error, but I think I've always been a person like, I don't even cut my own grass. Like I've hired somebody to take that off my plate so that I can focus on other things. So what I always say is that it's not how can I get there? It's who can help me get there the fastest. Mm. So while you guys were thinking about how to build systems and how to implement these processes, I was thinking about who can I hire to develop these systems? Who can help? Who can I hire to implement the systems? Mm. And once you take that approach, the sky's kind of the limit. You start you start leapfrogging everybody who's you know still active in the business. I've got one guy who's number one in our board every other year, but you know the random time I'm out taking a buyer or driving by an open house, you'll, you'll see him sitting there, you'll see him bringing his buyers mm -hmm. and he's the number one on the board. It okay, that, that's fantastic. But that's, 
that's still a job, yeah. right? Where the position that I'm in as a CEO, I get to travel and meet people and grow the brand. So I think to answer your question more directly, it's, it's more of a who, not how. And that's kind of how you get there. And did you know that from day one or when did that actually become clear to you? <laughs> no, it, it was probably about just at the beginning of COVID. We, we had so many leads that I'm like, I can't physically deal with these people. And if I did, my, my, my original database would suffer. Mm. So then I had to start leveraging out licensed assistants first to help me with the paperwork and that could also show houses. And then I moved on to hiring buyer agents. It's beautiful because it's like when, you're, when you get more attention, you can get one more of a message out there when you actually want to yeah. be able to recruit the right people because i'm pretty sure you it was probably probably rather easy for you to recruit the people that you needed for those roles no not really no? um you know we have we had a lot of people um reach out that you know kind of were attracted to the brand and it didn't necessarily work out that they were kind of the best people no. um but you know, I lucked out with getting Crystal in, in our first round of recruits. Um, but now it's, it's funny because people come for the brand, but they stay because of the people. Mm. And it's not necessarily me. It's the culture that we've built with inside the team. Mm. We've spent so much money on a company called EOS to learn essentially what you're saying. Create a culture, hire within core values. So that way when you're bringing people, <clears throat> they fit that core value mm. and the culture creates a life of its own. So that's that's pretty impressive. That that is that something that you, as you were going through it, you're like, you know, this is how I want it to be. This is the vision. You had a big picture, and you were slowly like, I'm working towards it, not deviating from it at all. Yep. the The big picture, law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, is real. And I think without you know knowing where you're going and having a clear, descriptive vision of that, everything else is you're just kind of flowing by the seat of your pants, right? Mm. No. No, that's good. It's 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 helpful because. <clears throat> one of the biggest things today is that there's so many shiny objects that are out there oh, and it's so God. easy for your focus to get distracted and, and go through it and I, not to go off on a loop but earlier when I was saying mental fortitude going through what you went through trying to make a decision to go on to an independent office after you know a year and change in the business and then you know failing after three months the, not to like, like second guess that vision and say that maybe I was wrong yeah. go somewhere else that takes a lot of freaking mental fortitude to be mm. like super committed to that right and, and keep in mind, all throughout that entire time, I'm having three kids. I'm investing uh, not only locally, but internationally. I'm building out, you know, two or three different podcasts, um, doing things for Revel in terms of recruitment as well. Um, so my director role, I'm also meeting with new agents. I'm also meeting with new uh, brokerage owners, meeting with new potential franchisers. So holding it all together is difficult but without that clear goal as we mentioned before and um you know what did you say mental fortitude fortitude yeah. i just think it's being a mental case you know what i'm saying <laughs> it to, to to everybody you know um that i've ever talked to my financial advisor they know that my risk tolerance is high mm. but every time i do something they're like man you've got big balls like, <laughs> what are you thinking yeah but i i like Money's money. What what is this? Like <laughs> unless you're you're risking it so all. much of your time. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is the time. And if I have to invest years, hours, decades of my life, it better be worth it for one. If I'm investing tens of thousands of dollars, what does that matter? That's just money in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah.
Bernie Gallerani used to always say, you're trading your time for money. Make sure you're spending your time wisely. So yeah. it's like, it's sure actually your life, your, your, your money's worth. Yeah. yeah, no, that was good. Yeah. In terms of delegating everything that you have on your plate and trying to replace yourself like you have with uh, the role that you just filled, uh, what what do you go through? Like what analysis do you go through in your business to get out of that? Yeah, what's your process? Because I know when you and I connected over the last week, I think we were DMing about a book that you were reading mm-hmm. uh, called Buy Back Your Time. Yeah, Dan Martell. Which, which uh, has he written anything else? I, I'm honestly not sure. I uh, I had just came across the book through a friend, um, and when I was I read it so fast because yeah. literally I'm like, damn it, he, this guy beat me to it. So you didn't pay somebody else to read the book? No, 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 <laughs> that I didn't. That, that was a dad. That was I a do dad pay joke. people yeah. to read books. It's a report it, back to me. Well, if you read, did you read the foreword of the guys? It sounds like a mental patient. Right. Uh, well, well, the it, problem is, is that. But I haven't read the whole book, so I don't want to. Well, so, no. The the thing is, is that what we, what the the real CEOs that are really looking to make an impact in their own lives and in other people's lives is that they do seem crazy. Yeah. And if you're not willing to seem crazy, act crazy, and fulfill that craziness, yep. then I, it's just all kind of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. So. In vain of what what uh, Kira was asking, yep. and you know where I was going with that book. Tell us, you know, some of the ways that you've been able to buy back your time, or you've been able to, you know, build your company through, mm-hmm. you know, leveraging other people. Is that through virtual assistants? Is that yeah. through just, uh, you know, hiring the right people in the U.S.? Is it just making better use of your own time? Mm-hmm. So we don't hire any virtual assistants. Um, I like 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 I said, I like people. And I like to see them. I like them in the office every day. You know, even in COVID, I was like, look, even if there's just one person in the office, let's keep you there. Um, But it it starts from the very basics. Like, literally, I hired somebody to cut my grass. Hmm. My grass is maybe 60 feet wide by 80 feet, maybe. So 50 bucks a week, he he comes in. And he, uh, and he cuts the grass. But that, that opened up so much more time for me. You know, now I got to go get gas and, and pour the gas into the lawnmower and then start out the lawnmower and it doesn't start and I'm sweating and I, and I don't want to do it anymore and it's making me angry. Or I could be using that time to train an agent, to make sales calls, to go show a property, to go to on a listing appointment. So that starts there. Then it can start from something as simple as, you know, having somebody else post, I do all my own personal social media, by the way. Mm. It's just something that I do. But all the content that leads up to me physically pressing posts is all outsourced. Um, so having somebody take over your social media, having somebody taking over your sales meetings for your team. Um, like, I don't run my meetings anymore. Or our VP of sales does. I don't um, write any contracts anymore. My, my admin team does. I don't upload any transactions. My admin team does. And at the very basic level, that's where leaders, if you're watching, can get started. Yeah. I guess one question would be if someone, let's say someone was with you from day one when you first started in the business, and I was to ask them, or if they were to say the biggest difference they saw in you between year one and year six, what would that evolution look like? I think, and, uh, you know, one of our agents, Paige, might beg to differ. Um, But I think it was just the the confidence to stick up for our standards and what I believe in. Um, Because at the very beginning, especially with my clients, what people don't understand about this business, and mainly because, let's face it, you know, we're not doctors. We didn't go to school for 20 years. You know, lawyers even, we didn't have to take the bar. 
Um, we're still dealing with people's largest investment of their lives. So I think that people, realtors can lose that confidence by trying to tell a client what to do, where me as the profession, and that was me for the first couple of years of my business, where now it's like, look, Mr. Seller, you have to take this offer because another one's not coming in. Yeah. You know, so negotiating with your own clients, when people say I'm a great negotiator, what are you, you're negotiating against another party that's representing somebody else. How good is that going to work? Yeah. Right? Because then if that other agent is no good at negotiating with their clients, then you're all <laughs> screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So the negotiations start with your clients. And I think the biggest thing that has changed in my career is being able to have that confidence to negotiate with my own buyers, my own sellers, and be like, look, here's the reality of what's going on. And if you don't act, this could potentially be the last opportunity for you. Yeah. And that's how we get deals done. I have, uh, I just got off a call with a girl on our team, Fernanda, who's working with a buyer right now. And, you know, buyer wanted to put in a low ball offer like a lot of first time buyers do. Yep. And low ball, $15,000 below asking price. And, you know, one of the conversations we had with her, which I think is, is really powerful. One of my coaches gave me this years ago was, well, first of all, selling, like we, we were always taught in Mike Ferry, right? Selling's not telling, selling's asking questions. Yep. So if you find yep. yourself constantly telling your clients something, you're, you're, you know, if you're talking so much, I agree. you're not doing right by them or you're not doing, the, you know, you're not working through the process correctly. But one of the exercises we went through with her client, the buyer that wouldn't want to increase their offer was, can I share something with you? My biggest fear is that three weeks from now you say to us, hey, how come you didn't push me a little bit harder mm -hmm. to increase my offer? Because this truly is a great, great place. Like, I, it really is a, a great opportunity. She just needs to make a more realistic offer. But, you know, it's, it, I, I appreciate that approach. It's, it's, you know, you have to also, I think it plays in with managing expectations as well. And in, in that story is exactly why um, I became so confident in talking to my clients that way. Because I had a client, <clears throat> excuse me, um, this client, I was constantly saying, okay, hey, what do you want to do? You know, we just submitted an offer. They've signed back. What do you want to do? And he's like, Andrew, you know, I, I love you, but uh, you're supposed to tell me what to do. He's like, I don't know. Is this house worth this money? I don't know. I just moved here. Yeah. It's your job to tell me what to do. And I was like, wow, that makes total and complete sense. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a great agent or a great leader? If I had to choose between the two, a leader. Yeah. So like based off of the conversation topics that you've talked about, you can tell that you're an amiable personality type, right? Someone who cares, right? And someone who's more or less attached to um, emotionally like invested in those situations. So um, your clients obviously feel like you cared. So they'll take your advice when you actually give it to them, right? Because mm -hmm. you wouldn't speak unless you actually felt like you needed to in regards to the decisions you need to make. Right. Um, building out a team and getting agents in there. So after your first three months when you said, you know, you built a team and you failed, after that, when you took a different approach and you started building again, like how many agents do you have right now? Uh, right now, we're down to five, uh, six. Six. Uh, how, how long is the uh, longest running agent that's been with you so far? Uh, we have one at three years and two at two years. Okay. And in terms of culture that you've created, would you say it attracts new people to want to come in, but then the effort and work that they have to put into it is what kind of weeds out the good and the bad? I'd say so, yeah, absolutely. So it's essentially what you've been able to do <clears throat> is you took your personality style and put it into a leadership role and it's flourishing in that aspect. And you can see it on social media, mm -hmm. right? 
Some people think I'm extremely ca uh, cocky. Some people think I'm extremely humble. And uh, honestly, I don't really know where I fall in. But like, I, here's the contrast. My first team that failed, it was all men. Now my team is all women. So is that something that maybe I, as a good leader, had instilled in terms of a culture? Or maybe is it the makeup of the individuals on the team that helped me create it? And so that's what I think about all the time is like, I can't take the credit. And I just don't want, why, why I said cocky versus humble is that I feel like any of my team members watching this might be like, oh, he's full of shit. But, <laughs> but I, I do think it's true. Maybe I don't express myself enough about that fact, but deep down, that's kind of how I feel. I think it all comes down to core values. Yeah. Because yeah, or, like, or personality styles, right? Like your, your leadership strategies and style probably attracts certain people. Uh, like I would probably bet that a bunch of, you know, the people on her, on his team are similar personality styles. Maybe not to him, right. but they are similar. Right. And mm. that's, that's, that's funny that you said that because that's why another reason why I brought Crystal to, to her position is because my, I'm a, like, we're here. You ever study the four personality styles? The disc? Yeah. Nah, He's gonna tell me he doesn't it. like it. Nah, I've done it a couple of times. I just, I don't know. It could, it could work. It could work. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Understanding people, but I've always been a good judge of character right from the get go. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I don't need it. But basically, I'm a kind of guy that like, look, you came here, you have a goal, you, you're basically giving us 50% of your paycheck for you to, for us to help you get to that goal. Mm -hmm. So here's how you get to that goal. And if you're not doing the daily actionables that we need to require you, to, that, that you need to require you to get to that goal, what are you even doing here? So mm. I'm a more like, just fucking do it, yeah. do it. It's, it's that simple. If you had to choose between life or death by simply just, you know, bobbing yourself out of the water to breathe, yeah. you can't come out of this situation you know, as a failure because you didn't do what is written literally out for you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. I think it comes back to a lot of times it's just you can't be more motivated. You can't want it more than they do. Right. Exactly. We're here to support, right. not force. And, you know, where Crystal, when she comes in, is more of a, okay, so let's lay this out. Why didn't we hit our goal this, this week? And, oh, well, you know, I only made 10 calls as opposed to 50. I was a little tied up. <laughs> where it's me, it's like, okay, well, now you've got to make that up the next month. And if you're not making it up the next month, then you're not going to be able to hit your commission goals or your, or your unit goals. Yeah. So having that contrast of, you know, the yin and, yin and yang, I think, is, is what makes our team successful. Yeah. And it's also following core values. Like <clears throat> John and I share the same core values, coachable, uh, someone willing to go the extra mile, someone who's dependable, someone who's willing to have fun in an environment that you put them in. Yeah. And the people who do fall into those core values fully and truly succeed. You missed one. It's humbly confident. Too. I actually I added like that, that in the new one, by the way. Humbly confident. <laughs> by the way, this is actually a really good reference because Messi is the definition of humbly confident. I've learned how to define it. We, we fought for three hours over the, the, the core value humbly confident. I'd love to buy back that time. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have delegated that, by the way. So there's an author named Robert Greene. Do you know who that is? He wrote The 48 Laws of Power. He wrote Seduction. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he was talking about how success is the most dangerous thing someone can experience. And the reason why it's dangerous is because the person starts thinking that they were responsible for it. And it wasn't because of the activities that they were doing. 
they're taking personal credit, mm. not the activities. Right. Is that an ego thing? It's an ego thing. So now you think that you're greater than everybody else, and then you start elevating. And the next thing you know, something can happen, and you bust your ass, and you're down, but that gives, it exposes you to that, mm -hmm. right? Because you're letting your ego take control of that situation. Humbly confident is like you're confident in your abilities of taking action, but you're humble at the same point where you're not letting your ego take control and take flight. Mm -hmm. That's a commonality if you think about it. Mm -hmm. The things that you can create the most, uh, the greatest salesperson in your organization and write their core values, you'd see that everybody else probably shares the same kind of core values. I, I agree. And just like, you know, with, with COVID, I felt like majority of our agents, not necessarily our agents, but, it's, you know, especially in, on our board and in, in Ontario as a whole, they were kind of allowing that busyness to go to their head. Yeah, I sold 100 houses last year. Yeah, but that was the busiest year yeah. ever. You should have sold 200. Yeah. And, and then, you know, allowing that, exactly what you just said. Now, this year, watch. Half of those people won't even sell 10. Yeah. We have to look at the numbers you did last year or two years ago and say, did I do that because, was that because of my skills or was that because of the market? Right. It, w it was a market-driven market. It wasn't skills-based. This year is going to be skill-based. So you better so have some damn skills. Yeah, so go a little deeper on that. What are some of the things that you're doing within your team to making sure to make sure that everybody's you know up to par on skills? We we added an additional accountability session um, a month, uh, sorry, a week. So that's four extra a month. So Tuesdays is we break it down. What is your goal for the week? Okay, here's your daily actionables. On Friday, we have an accountability session. Those daily actionables. Where are you to hitting your goals? Well, you know what? We're right on track. Great. We'll see you next Tuesday, and we'll you know look over the goals. Um, you know what? I'm very very slow. I had to a sick daughter at home. I had to do this. I did whatever. Um, okay, great. So now we're gonna take this Friday appointment and use it as an adjustment period, so that by Tuesday you're back on track to your goals. Yeah. So back to the basics. I know everybody says that. I know Eric from uh, Broke Agent is you know he made a couple of memes about making fun of that. Marry the house, date the rate, yeah. uh, top things agents say, back to basics. But it's so freaking true. How, what, like, seriously, what would you do if you needed a paycheck in order to live? What would you seriously do without leaving the business? You would door knock every goddamn door. You'd call every single number true. if that meant putting food on your table. So why should it be any different to achieving your goals? That's what I was meant to say when I fucked up there. <laughs> <laughs> do you know uh, the name Haas Pratt? No. He wrote this book called The Listing Boss. You guys read so much books, more than me. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, I've just talked about the two that I've read. But uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Kiro's really good at starting books. So if you ever me do too. like a, a Zoom with him, he he's got a million gun behind him. Gun I'm, I'm gunning you because you laughed at me. <laughs> but uh, no, Haas Pratt has a book called The Listing Boss. We had him on a couple episodes ago. And he was talking about one of, I think, his first month in the business. He listed something like, or maybe his first 40 days, he listed something like 30, 30 FISBOs. But we asked him, why were you able to do that? And he goes, because I didn't think that that was weird or out of the norm. Mm -hmm. He's like, I didn't know what the norm was, so I just did it. You know, and it, it's yeah. just like when you think of it that way, it's, it's so different. You know? No, He's I love like, it. Like, until you know that a, if you were to take, like, let's just say to take a five FISBOs would actually be a lot in one month. Until you know that that would be a lot, then you don't think that 30 is crazy, right. right? Well, even still, like, it comes back to that whole doctor-lawyer situation um, where, you know, if you're doing your best to sell a house for the commission, you're thinking from a sales mindset, which is, which is not 
terrible. But if you're truly thinking of, a, a, you know, from a, a service mindset, you, you look at a FISBO. Okay, so there's a customer or client that's looking to sell their home, not having any luck. I'm just going to reach out to them and see if they need any help selling. Yeah. So that's a service mindset. Not Most people stop themselves because they're thinking from a sales mindset. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's going to say no. You know, yeah, we're not going to be able to make it happen. Yeah. I'm not going to make my money. And, and I think that's the biggest difference. One of the things that we're trying now in our team, and I'll report back and let you know if we're having success, is to sort of divide and conquer, right? So for the first quarter of this year, we're going to have one agent solely focused on expireds. Uh, one agent solely focused on FISBOs, another agent solely focused on mm -hmm. probates, mm -hmm. and then next quarter they're all going to switch so that they all get an equal turn to learn different sectors. And we were talking this morning about specifically about for sale by owners, and, and I was thinking about my coach, Kathy Anderson. I had her for years. She was one of the best coaches I've ever had. She would always, I can hear her in my mind saying, would it be helpful if, would it be helpful if? So we were supposed to play a little game today to see how many times somebody could say that while we were prospecting this morning. Yeah. And if you're coming from a place of value, right, you should try to build that into your prospecting script, right? So anytime you're talking to a seller, would it be helpful if, would it be helpful if? And if you're just constantly just giving them so much value, what I have found is that eventually they'll hire you, mm -hmm. right? Like, like specifically with a for sale by owner, it's like, hey, here's three things that you can do this weekend. This is an agent talking to a FISBO right? To give them value. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, here's three things that you can do this weekend to get your home sold. I'm going to give you an open house sheet. Do you have a sign-in sheet, Mr. Seller? Most people would be like, why would you give the seller a sign-in sheet? What I'm suggesting is give him your sign-in mm -hmm. sheet. Take your logo off of it. And you have to remind him, hey, when people come, make them sign in so that you can follow up with them. All the things that we know that we need to do. Mm -hmm. Second, Mr. Seller, what I think you should do, if you want to get the home sold, of course, Print 75 flyers and go knock on all the doors in the neighborhood. You want to make sure everybody in your neighborhood knows about the house, right? Most sellers would be like, 75 doors? What are you, crazy? Mm -hmm. But what's beautiful about it is you're indirectly telling them what you would be doing if they were to hire you. You know, put out open house signs. I, I know agents who have actually lent a seller, mm -hmm. not signs. their branded signs, but just like those shitty ones you get from Home Depot. Yep. Signs. Here's signs. Here's an open house sign-in sheet. And here's, you know, a strategy to knock 50, 75 doors. Give them all that value. And I think eventually, if you give that value to enough people, they will come back to you and be like, all right, enough is enough. I understand what you're going to do if I were to hire you. We're, we're, we're pulling the cord. We're, you're hired. Mm -hmm. So long-winded story. But I think if you were to give so much value to people, you get paid in direct correlation to the value you provide. Yeah. But if you break it down, that's, I mean, at the core end of it that's why we do events right yeah you know even at our brokerage level we do a skills camp a tip-off and a rookie camp the rookie camp is designed to provide information for new realtors people who aren't um in the industry yet but are thinking about it and at the end you know just a five minute pitch about our brokerage and then that's it and you know those people at least always come back for a conversation yeah. and, and it's the same thing with fizzbos you you know we don't do a lot of fizzbos honestly uh that whole market in canada is it's makes up less than less than a percent of our market share so yeah. um we don't have to worry about that so much we just have to worry about other agents which is uh yeah which is a whole nother conversation and podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah well actually just to give you credit you're in the most competitive uh, marketplace in terms of agent count isn't that right, or is that Toronto? So, yeah, so Toronto has like 50,000 agents plus the surrounding towns, right? Um, which is 
nothing compared to New York. Yeah. Um, so we're in Niagara. So yes, you're you're right in a sense where our boat our board has just under sixteen hundred. Okay. But all of that sixty thousand because we're only an hour away. You know, they all are listing properties in our uh, area and not listing them on our board and all this other crap. And people feel like, oh, if you list with the Toronto, which is not, hey, this is what you want to do with your business. That's what you want to do. Um, but people will list from Toronto in Niagara. They won't even list it on our board's MLS. Would you say these Canadian agents are more or less competitive than... Uh Here's the thing. Um, I've thought about this a lot based on my time with LA Fitness, based on, you know, scripting, uh, based on American coaches. I find that like a lot of the way, and I'm surprised it works so well because you guys all do it so much. Um, but like these scripts, like don't necessarily work in Canada all that much. There's some basic principles from what you guys are talking about. Like, so I'll do like, hey, um, Mr. Buyer, I don't know if this house is for you, but, right? So we do stuff like that, but it's, I don't know what it is. Canadians, as passive as they are, they're, they're more in tune and they're more educated on the market, I guess. I, um, they're smarter is what you're saying. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to say that. I don't want to say that at all. I just think that the way you have to talk to a Canadian is so much different than the way you talk to an American. Well, you just add A. No. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the realization. Bring in I'm, some Timbits and. Uh, well, they must double. be smarter though. If you said there's less Fizbos, right? Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, it's, it's just I would say the impression I get from everything you talked about it's about authenticity more than anything else. Exactly, and yeah. and even still, even some of my American coaches just say, "Look, ditch the script." Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing with podcasts. It's the same thing with with speaking. Um, you know, I don't go in and prepare anything. I, you know, I go in and speak what I'm passionate and I know about. And, you know, when I'm talking to buyers and sellers, you know, hey, if I could have memorized every single script that, you know, you guys memorized, would I be able to close more deals? Probably. But my clientele is also different. Most of my personal clientele is over 60. So it's like, it's, I'm not saying easier, but it's just, they're in a transition in their life where it just makes my job a little bit more easier because I'm just pointing them in the right direction. Yeah. Would you agree with the following statement? It's better to be more known than better skilled in sales. So um, I would say yes. And um, that comes back to a good friend of mine, Tom Story. Um, visibility versus ability. Um, fake it till you make it, whatever the hell you want to talk about um, or however you want to name it. That's kind of how I grew my business in the first two years is where and what I you know, try to preach um, to new agents is like, look, if you're a new agent in a new market, what you need to do is you need to basically build you build your brand around that market and market to people who don't live in that market. Don't mm, market to yeah. locals. People that are moving into yeah. it. Yeah, and more importantly, which is more easier and cost effective, is to market to other agents outside the market. Because they don't know how long you've been in business. They don't know how long you've lived there. Mm. They All they know is that you're talking about how, um, how, how the best pizza on Main Street is. Yeah. Or who's got the best pizza on Main Street? Who's got the best chimney cakes, the best bakery, the best grocery store, all of that stuff, right? So if you're putting out videos on a daily basis, yeah. weekly basis, promoting uh, businesses, charities, community events, outside markets are going to notice you and want to call you because of that. So I think in closing, you know, I'm surprised we haven't touched on this just yet. Um, in my fabulous intro that I delivered, uh, aside from <laughs> it was calling good. you Paris, 
Uh, At least it wasn't Pierre. <laughs> That's a good Pierre. Point. <laughs> no, okay. I wrote it myself. If somebody, if somebody else wrote it, it would probably say Pierre. Uh, generating approximately 85% of your business from yeah. agent to agent referrals. Are those within Canada? Are those... Are you picking off certain cities that you feel a lot of people that are moving from those cities are moving to Ontario? You know what? We uh, about 99% is from within Canada, um, all the way from the East Coast in Nova Scotia, all the way to the West Coast in, in BC. We've had a couple from California, um, Arizona, Austin, Texas, uh, Florida somewhere, and even Australia. What percentage of, I'm an, I'm an analytical if you couldn't tell, of your agent database, mm-hmm. have you actually met? Oh man! Like I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I'm just yeah, trying maybe to picture maybe twenty percent. So would you say you're you're creating these relationships through social? Yes, or, yes, yeah. yes. It all. So you're building a, an agent to agent database. Exactly. So you know, it's the fake it till you make it, or the perception, or the ability versus visibility. That means something to not just buyers and sellers, but also to other realtors. You know, like for example, um, are, are you still faking it? No, no. <laughs> okay. no like, dude, I, I used to wear a suit every single day. Now I wear stretchy shirts, stretchy cotton blazers, and stretchy pants. I, I don't look like a homeless person anymore, um, but I don't look like a Ryan Serhant either. <laughs> I just you know want to do what's comfortable. But for example, let's just say this podcast, yep. right? Had I not looked you up on Instagram or whatever, let's just say you had 500 followers, um, that wouldn't have mattered because all I would have seen was the production quality of the studio. Yeah. And that to me means more value because for this instance, I can take these cut-ups from this uh, podcast that we're doing and put them into my audience and then everybody's like, wow, yeah. look at that nice, beautiful studio. It's the same thing when trying to promote your brand to other agents for your market. 100%. Yeah. One epiphany, epiphany that you gave me or that I've gained through this episode is, you know, we were always taught in sales that your database, if you have 100 people in your database and you nurture them, right, they're your state front of mind, you're supposed to generate at least 10%. Right, so at 100 people, you should transact with 10. Mm. So right now, by you focusing on your database and building out the people, your audience, more or less, you're able to transact with a certain amount that you engage with and follow up with. So you don't need to learn how to hunt for new business because you're giving your attention to your database and building that and nurturing that. That's right. So your backyard of diamonds is just flourishing. So it's a different kind of perception, I guess, in the way that we were raised in the business. Because what you, like let's say you're in the business, you have 200 people in your database. You nurture them like crazy, you do 20 deals. But now your goal is to do 50. You need to go supplement and buy leads from online or hunt for business from other sources to compensate for the 30 that you're missing and then add them to your database. Now you need to constantly look for new business. He's more analytical than me. So there's nothing wrong with that strategy. And it's something that I obviously am conscious of. But if you imagine, like, like social media should not be a lead generation tool. It's your database. Think about it that way. And so think about, you know, what's your friends, close friends, acquaintances, what would you say is your largest fear, like in numbers? Like how many people do you think you talk to within a month? Friends, family. 30, 40. 100, 40, 200. Friends and family, very slow, very low. Right? (laughs) So, So think about that is I converse with all these agents just naturally every month, all the time. My DMs are blowing up from other agents just asking for advice. Hey, what lead generation company do you use? Hey, who's shooting your podcast? Hey, what type of camera do they use? 
everything. And some of it doesn't even have to do with real estate. Like, hey, where's the best hotels to stay at? And just aside from that, in all my daily conversations with these agents, doesn't have to be complicated. You know, you could break it down by your KPIs. You could break it down by saying, okay, I got X amount of referrals, so I yeah. want to focus on that. But these are agents too. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care I that you're reaching out to them. To they just want their they just want their paycheck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I feel like I've always, you know, uh, I would say when calling my database, sometimes I struggle with some of the people that are not necessarily business savvy, or maybe said better. Mm -hmm my friends or people that are in my database that are business professionals or, or other salespeople understand when I'm prospecting or nurturing or calling my database, they get it. They're like, mm -hmm. dude, I, you know, you're my guy when I'm ready, I'll call you. So it must be, it, it's just a different animal to nurture a database full of salespeople. Yeah. Right? It's cause they, they, res they probably respect it and they appreciate it. Well, no, it's and, like and not, a, not, not that all of it is so intentional. Correct. Right? Correct. So then that's a better word. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, it's funny that you brought that up because you know, some, some salespeople will hang up on a random cold call and be like, Hey, look, buddy, I'm an agent too. I know what you're doing where I am like, Oh yeah. What about this? What about that? So I'm now dissecting them because that guy who's cold calling you could be your next realtor. Next hire. Right? Yeah. Right. Or I'm, if they're really good, I'm taking what they said and using it. Yeah. Online <laughs> <these> calls. Right? <laughs> I'm like, bro, come on, give me another objection. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm giving him another direction, but <laughs> yeah. no, no, that's valuable. It's it, it's funny because when you look at when you were saying your biggest accomplishment was growing the girl mm -hmm. on your team into the role she is today. So you were developing that person. So you can see that you find joy in building up people yes, that reach absolutely. out. If you got paid to do that, that, that would make you really happy, right? So you should really consider one of these revenue share companies <laughs> 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 because that's all a lot of people different people do. But that's like there's an immense amount of value that you would be able to share. Yeah. And, right. And, right. And, and just one. Part, I guess this will be my last question, then you could take over, John. Um, with the way that you saw the opportunity five years ago that was available for you to jump in and, and kind of create your own thing within yeah. Rebel, um, where do you see the next chapter going in the next five years? What do you see the outlook being and what are you planning on doing to actually constantly keep leveling up and moving forward? Yeah, so, you know, like you said, um, with the leapfrogging thing, exponential growth is really important to me. So within five years, um, I will want to have multiple locations in either multiple provinces. That's what we call states in Canada mm -hmm. um, or, or, or international, like in the states. Um, going out my role where I'm not selling whatsoever. So even when I started the team, after that first year, I was no longer working with buyers. Now, after my second year, I'm no longer working with sellers independently. I've brought on Crystal as my co-listing agent for every single listing. Mm. So by net, by five years, I certainly will not be working with clients on a day-to-day -day basis, making that internet uh, internal uh, connection, of course. But that's where we see it. Uh, book, working on a book, uh, more speaking gigs, and just becoming that international brand is, is the next five-year plan. Nice. I'm excited awesome, to man. see that grow, man. Thanks, man. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. You're I think welcome. people will certainly find that valuable. I um, hope so. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I'm kind of pissed that time flew by. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and the funny part is that ChatGBT had 15 questions for you over here. But it is what it is. Yeah, you, you know what? You go through all that, and the conversations never, you know, flow, right? So, and then when you do, you don't need it. There you go. All right, man. <laughs> What's the best way for someone to reach out to you if they want to get in touch? Just at the Andrew Perry on Instagram. That's the easiest way to go to hold me. I, I follow back. I answer all my DMs. Let's do this. Cool. Anything that you're working on that people should know about? Uh, just, just 
keep an eye out for the book. I can't explain a lot about it. Uh, I've, I've kind of dipped my toes in uh, on a wine book with my dad, so you can look out for that at the spring, but nice. my book has nothing to do <laughs> with wine unless it's about how many deals I've lost and I've drank myself into a coma with wine. <laughs> a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Thanks, guys.